From Common Good Iowa, this is A Deeper Dive, the Iowa Policy Podcast. I'm Ann Disher with Common Good Iowa, so happy to bring you a conversation recorded earlier this month with Christine Herr. Christine is Executive Director of Art Force Iowa. Art Force is about transforming youth in need through art. In our conversation, Christine talks about the work of Art Force Iowa, the hopes and needs of the young people she works with, and her own story of growing up in Des Moines as the child of immigrants and her very real struggles finding her own way to adulthood. Well, hi, Christine. Hi. So glad you're here. I guess I would, I thought I would just start with the question of the hour, really. <laughs> How are you holding up at this point in this very, very long pandemic? You know, that's, um, that's a really great question. And I, I find myself always asking more now than before, do I tell the truth or do I lie? <laughs> Um, I think in this moment right now, I am feeling all kinds of anxiety and fear, and there's a little mix of trying to be hopeful and encouraged. Um, I actually just found out really bad news that my dad tested positive two nights ago, and he is showing all the symptoms and is having... um, the high fever now as well. And so oh, I'm so sorry to hear it. Yeah, you know, I think I think we are living at a time where there's a lot of there's a lot of empathy and generosity right now because everyone is kind of going through this and we're all going through it together. So I, I'm trying to be hopeful, but um, I think in this moment I'm a little mix of everything. But I also know how strong and resilient my dad is. And I'm trying to lead and lean into knowing that he has survived way worse than this pandemic. Um, and he'll get through this. But I, I'm, I'm a little bit of everything right now today. Understandable. I, I, I think I, that sounds even taking a, <laughs> setting aside, you know, your, your dad and his health. I, I think that seems like a pretty, um, pretty common reaction right now. I know we're sitting out just a few days from a a holiday that feels maybe not very uh, holiday, (laughs) not very holiday like, you know, so you're you're the executive director of Art Force Iowa. And I would love it if you could tell me a little bit about the organization, of course, in before times, but actually also how things are looking for the organization now and how you're functioning during a pandemic when so many people are, are feeling that way. So, you know, Art Force Iowa has gone through so many transitions and changes. And I think in this journey of Art Force Iowa pre and post COVID, it's, it's very interesting because there's a lot of pre COVID Art Force Iowa's. And so I know after the flood, because we had a flood two years ago, Art Force, we deemed ourselves Art Force Iowa 3.0. And I think right now we are definitely Art Force Iowa 4.0. And um, pre COVID, you know, we, we had all of our youth coming to our workshops Monday to Thursday. And when the Des Moines schools 
change their school bell times, we also recognize that, oh my goodness, we need to eat together because our workshops need to change now and it's during that dinner time. And it also happened that that happened all at the same time as we started a whole new program for refugee and immigrant youth. And we're recognizing that the youth that we originally worked with and still work with who are court involved and these new youth who are refugee, immigrant, and first-gen Americans, they did not get along. And so it was a challenge because for us, we want the community to empathize with our young people and to not recognize them as bad kids or other kids. We wanted the community to be able to look at our young people and say, okay, this kid is labeled as a delinquent, is labeled as a bad kid, but they aren't a bad kid. But we were recognizing that within our own community with our young people, they they saw each other that way. Organically, we were like, okay, this is at the same time when the school bells are changing, we're going to break bread together. And that was really cool because we started eating meals together, sharing meals from different places. And I always tell everyone, you know, I'm executive director, but I'm also executive chef because I cooked all the meals and it was so nice. And we started to see all these kids come together and they were like, oh, you're not different from me. You just don't speak English as well as I do, but we're the same. Or, you know, we were getting kids who were like, okay, I used to be afraid of those kids in my school, but maybe I shouldn't be afraid of them because they're just like me. And we started to see more art collaborations between the young people in different programs coming together and saying, hey, I love making beats. You love to rap. Let's make a song together. And they started collaborating and that was really great. And that was all pre-COVID, you know, getting together and sharing meals and not being worried that there was some kind of virus that could potentially kill us and, and hurt our families But post-COVID has been just another another reminder for me that our young people are so damn resilient. And we got so much that we can learn from them because they're the hopeful ones and they bounce back when it's hard to be hopeful at this time for anybody. But, you know, our young people who are seeing the future as even more bleak, they still remain hopeful. They still choose to dream, and I think that's so powerful. And so right now, what Art Force is doing, you know, we stopped having any in-person workshops the second week of March and have gone virtual completely. And over the summer, we had Artful Connections because we knew that it wasn't just our young people who were anxious and fearful. It was the entire community of all ages. So we opened up our doors virtually to say, hey, come make art with us. Come learn from our artist mentors. Come learn some breathing exercises. Just make art. Take your mind away from the pandemic. And that was really great. We were able to meet over 24,000 people over the summer by just having the Artful Connection initiative through Facebook Live. And now we are still having virtual workshops, but they're just for young people to join us weekly. And there are young people enrolled in our programs. We are providing art kits right now for the community. But it's been really amazing to finally have the community value and see 
how powerful art can be in combating trauma and anxiety and fear. And this is something that Art Force has been working on for a long time by just saying, look, you don't need to be a great artist. In fact, you don't even have to consider yourself an artist to see how powerful the arts can be in your life. Well, so, you you know, in your job, you're engaging with youth who've had system involvement in some way and, and youth who are refugees and immigrants. And, you know, I just think about the, you know, the, the very nature of those sorts of experiences probably mean a lot of kids come to you having experienced trauma and adversity. And so I I would wonder if you could talk a little bit about your journey to this job that you do and this work that you do. So I'm a Des Moines native and I, you know, my dad's journey brought him here as a refugee straight to Des Moines because of former Governor Bob Ray. So I grew up here and I believe I was in middle school. Yeah, middle school. I realized that I loved singing and I wanted to learn how to play guitar. And my mom and dad were like, no, girl, you're not doing that. What are you doing? A good daughter is a girl who goes to school and focuses on doing good. And I would actually learn how to play my sister's guitar in the middle of the night while they were sleeping. So they never knew that I was playing guitar. And I soon just learned that music meant so much to me. And anytime I was feeling depressed or suicidal or I was angry, I wrote a song. I I wrote about it. It really helped me to recognize that I, I could express how I felt in a way that wouldn't bring me harm. The arts is definitely the reason why I'm still here today. And it brought me to this job because in high school, I recognized that there weren't, there weren't a lot of opportunities for young people like me. Um, you know, I was the first gen to be born in America. My parents are refugees. I'm Hmong. I'm a Hmong American. A lot of people don't know about Hmong people. And in high school, I was like, oh, I'm taking this history class and we're learning about the Vietnam War. So they're going to talk about Hmong people because that's how we came to America. We fought in this war. And then our story was never taught. And so high school really led me to meet a lot of other amazing young people like myself. And we were all driven by the arts, but we were also driven by how do we tell our stories and and what does justice look like to us? And how do we um, create a coalition? And through that, I was able to meet Henny, who is the director of Embark. And I got to meet Mira, who's the director of Monsoon. And these two really became mentors for me when I was at a young age. And it made me realize, hey, they're doing great stuff. Mira's starting a nonprofit. Henny is starting a nonprofit. Maybe I should do something in the nonprofit field and make it be about helping young people like me learn more about the arts to feel better, to give them a platform, to let them step into their power. 
I remember being 17 and saying, I want to lead a nonprofit that does this kind of work. Art Force Iowa got a grant to um, manage a whole new program called the DSM Heroes, which works with and serves refugee and immigrant youth. And I was like, okay, this is full circle for me. And so I got hired on full time as a program manager for that program. And then within a year of being a program manager, I was asked by the board of directors to step up and serve as executive director. So I've been in this role for the last three years now, and it's been such an interesting journey. It's been extremely difficult, but I think everything that Art Force has gone through has helped us get to where we are today. And um, I'm just really glad that I can be part of this journey. I love that. I want to talk more about um, about that moment. You said you you found the guitar. Is that was that your kind of initial? What was that? What drew you? What drew you to it? I just loved singing. You know, I grew up in a very religious household, and we went to church. And my, our church was old school. You know, where there wasn't a lot of instruments, and we did so. It was like a traditional Hmong. Christian church where everyone was Hmong. And so, you know, there's that cultural clash and also um, the traditions of wanting to keep things the way that they're used to. And my sister got a guitar and I just, I was like, man, I'm the one who likes to sing. I need to play on that. It sounds like your parents have come around then. You know, I think, I think they have come around to accepting who I am, not necessarily accepting the things that I do because they are very traditional in a sense of success looks like dollars and you know you don't make a lot of money in the nonprofit world Um, and I think purpose to them is so different than how I define what purpose means to me Um, but I do think that they accept who I am now and they know that this is just who I am and they're okay with that. What does it feel like in your job where you're working with youth who probably many come having experienced their own role challenges in life to, to sort of help them have that same experience with art? I know for us, and especially for me, I like to let young people, especially when they come often and there's rapport and there's a connection and relationship, I talk about this stuff with them and they talk about it too. They, they're curious themselves. They want to ask questions, you know, and they talk about their mental health. I don't know if they know this, but I want to believe that their their soul knows it before their mind does or their heart knows it before their mind does. But I think they see, they do it themselves. Like there's this recognition and there's this power in knowing when they say, yeah, you know what? I'm really pissed off, but I'm going to go write. That's it right there. You know, without me even have to be like, oh, look, you recognize that you can regulate and save yourself by your own power through your art. It's like th- sometimes those things, we don't even need to be intentional with it. It just naturally happens. Um, but I know our young people, because they deal and have trauma, significant trauma, we talk about mental health a lot. And my story isn't 
unique to me. And I always ask permission if I can share my story with young people because they might not want to listen. Every time I do, there's just this, I feel that, right? Like they, they say that back and then they recognize, okay, like that's why I do this. That's why I paint because it does help me feel better. That's why I write because it does help me get all of my emotions out there without hurting myself or without hurting other people. I try to remind them sometimes you have all the right things, all the right tools to help you. And sometimes it's still not enough. And it's also okay to recognize that this helps me sometimes, but sometimes it doesn't help me. The most important thing is who can you talk to? Well, actually that raised a question because of course, when we talk about ACEs, you know, there's the, the, one of the ideas is that you can mitigate the, the impacts of adversity by supporting kids, by helping them build healthy relationships, by being that supportive peer at a time of, of need. Did you have someone in your life who played that role? Yeah, I had teachers. You know, I love my mom and my dad. I know growing up, I did not believe that they loved me. And that was my own stuff that I needed to work on and needed to heal from. But you know, when you're in teen, when you're a teenager, you can't think straight. Your feelings are so intense and, you know, you can't really empathize with your parents. But I know for me growing up, I had my older brother who was four years older than me. And I had my oldest sister who was eight years older than me. And then I had my teachers who I still talk to right now. I had my two middle school teachers, uh, Mrs. Blount and Mrs. Welch, and my two high school teachers. Well, actually, I had a few in high school. I had four of them that were really great. Um, Mr. Alberudi, Miss Griffin, Mrs. Green, and Mrs. Padoris. And which, school, which, which schools did you attend for middle school and high school? I went to Goodrill Middle School, and then I went to East High School. Yeah, and th- those are the teachers that really made me feel like I wasn't weird or odd um you know I I'm a really funny person and I like to believe that if I wasn't doing this job I would be a stand-up comedian because I just have the the most bizarre stories and I'm so open and sharing all kinds of weird stories and I remember just thinking like I just love to laugh I love making people laugh and in seventh grade my my English my language arts teacher Mrs. Blount was like, Christine, you would be such a good comedian because you're so funny. You remind me of Margaret Cho. And I was 12 years old and I still remember that. And that was just like one of those moments where I felt like I didn't have to hide who I was because someone saw me who wasn't my family. And that was the same thing in high school. These were the, the teachers who saw the potential in me, who laughed with me, who allowed me to be sad. And they didn't know the impact that they had on my life. But I I know um, the impact that they had on my life. Validating young people is important when we are adults. Like, it is our responsibility for young people to feel seen and valued. They shouldn't have to ask us for that. You know, Christine, my, my last question for you was going to be essentially, what do young people most need from adults? And I feel like you, I feel like you have probably answered that question for me before I could even answer, ask it. 
Yeah, I mean, I, you know, we step into so many classrooms pre-COVID. We were in classrooms and meeting young people right where they were. And we would get teachers, you know, bless them. They, they're trying their best. No, no, nobody becomes a teacher to traumatize kids. I know that. I think we all know that. But sometimes teachers need more training and more support themselves. But there, there would be some classrooms we would walk into and teachers would be like, well, good luck with that kid. That kid doesn't want to do anything. Mm. And in the back of my head, I would be like, shame on you. You know, because when you have that attitude, kids know. They know. They're they're so, like, intuitive. They're not dumb. Like, they know you feel that about them. So now they, they don't want to, they don't want, they don't want anything to do with you. And we get into that classroom and we talk to the kids the way we would talk to our friends. We treat them with respect. We, we treat them with dignity. And we honor and we value the words that they share with us. And we say thank you. We say we're sorry. Uh, but the, the more we did that, the more teachers were like, oh, wow. Kids are actually participating. And sometimes, you know, I just want to be like, yeah, they participate when you actually are nice to them. When you treat them with respect. But I think, you know, our culture here doesn't allow, or maybe it doesn't allow is that the right word, but we don't, we just don't have a culture where adults can talk to young people without being condescending. And I think young people, they crave that. They crave authenticity. They crave being seen. Anyone does, not just young people. We all do, even as adults. Like I crave those things. I want authentic relationships. I want people to value me and see me as a whole person. And young people are just the same. I think when we give them, when we listen to them and we give them those things, man, you can really turn a young person's life around. Well, Christine, I so appreciate your time and I appreciate the reminder to look at look at young people look at the young people in my house um with the amazement that they they deserve yeah thank you for having me here i always enjoy talking especially when it's about our force <laughs>